checking on his stick. We are chicken on a stick. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about a movie that I've now seen four times. Four if you, times. If you count director's commentary, that uh-huh. is. Uh, but a movie I absolutely love. Um, in 2022, it was my number four overall of the year, and that is After Sun. Um, we've decided to talk about this one as our first episode that we officially released uh-huh. because uh, I had purchased the Blu-ray um, so we just got that in the other day, and then we rewatched it. Um, so just to give you a little idea of what this movie's about, Maggie's going to read us the synopsis from the back cover. Which, by the way, is really, really cool looking. It was a really great deal. The things that came with the DVD are really neat. Um, but uh, at a fading vacation resort, 11-year-old Sophie, played by Frankie Corio, treasures rare time together with her loving and idealistic father, Callum, played by Paul Mescal. As a world of adolescence creeps into view, beyond her eye, Callum struggles under the weight of life outside of fatherhood. Twenty years later, Sophie's tender recollections of their last holiday become a powerful and heart-rending portrait of their relationship, as she tries to reconcile the father that she knew with the man that she didn't, and Charlotte Wells' superb and searingly emotional debut film. Okay, so let's just get into it. Yeah. I think it's nice that we share the same sky. What do you mean? Well, like, sometimes at playtime, I look up to the sky, and if I can see the sun, then I think about the fact that we can both see the sun, so even though we're not actually in the same place and we're not actually together, we kind of are in a way, you know? Like, we're both underneath the same sky, so kind of together. Okay, so After Sun. Um, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not give it a perfect score in rating, like one notch down uh, for a couple reasons. Maybe we'll talk about that down the road or whatever, but that's not really the important part of this. We're not here to necessarily review right. the movie. We're here to talk about the movie. Yeah. And I saw this movie last year alone. Yeah, alone. I don't know why I didn't go. I don't remember why. Maybe I thought it looked boring or something. I don't know. She Sometimes she doesn't like to go see, like, the more yeah. artsy, independent films, yeah. so I'll go alone to go see them. And all I know is as soon as I got out of that, I said it was amazing and that yeah. I think it would make her cry. Oh, yeah. It, it, as soon as you came home, you were just immediately talking about the movie. This would make you cry. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> maybe I'm glad I didn't go. But now, like, in retrospect, I wish I had gone to see it. Yeah. On the big screen. Yeah, and as soon as I left the theater, I was instantly curious what other people were saying about this movie, if anybody mm-hmm. was talking about it online, so I instantly looked up like YouTube and stuff to see if anyone was talking about it. Right. Because um, I don't know, I probably saw it opening weekend, but it was such a, like, it was a small release, so it wasn't I something was massive. I was going to say, was there any trailers or promos for it? Yes. But, like, on the big screen? Yes. I'm pretty confident that there were trailers. I I would assume that's how I knew about it. Actually, I take that back. I don't know 
It very well could be I'm just ingrained in the film ethos so much that somebody talked about it somewhere and I googled if it was showing and then went and saw the movie. (laughs) That's a very fair point, actually. Uh, But yeah, anyway, as soon as I got out of the theater, I looked up what people were talking about and I watched one video where a guy who probably saw it at some festival was talking about the movie and like what it meant and all these things and as i was watching it it was i don't know maybe a five minute video breaking down like you see this and there's these things and this Mm -hmm. bit and this is what i think this means all i could think of is like he's missing things right there are things that i picked up on that this guy's not getting and it could be you know it's one of those things you probably just got out of theater you're talking about it so maybe you didn't catch everything right and this movie i do think benefits from multiple viewings this being oh, my one million percent this being my fourth time overall yeah i was still noticing small things, things. that just enhanced the viewing experience uh so we're just gonna kind of go through the movie here um, with all of our notes and stuff, I, I forced Maggie to take notes on this watching. That way she could pipe up and mention things I that de- she liked. I definitely or... do not have as many notes as you. But, I mean, I will I will, I will, will say this. A24, to me, has a fantastic track record. I feel like, for the most part, I love most of A24's movies. Um, was this, was this um, like a film festival or was it south by southwest or something or yes it was in film festivals cons i don't i don't know i don't it says in the opening where it was oh yeah but i don't remember that's true but yeah they they've got a a great tracker record for me i i love a24 the stuff that they produce is awesome generally i would agree i can't say that anymore since I don't know, 2017 or something. Oh. They started to disappoint me a little bit with some of the... But that's going to happen when your studio gets big. That's not what we're here to talk about Did they do Hereditary? Anymore. Oh, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> Hot take, but I Hot don't like take. that movie. Uh, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> that's another episode uh, entirely. So After Sun, to kind of get into this, um, writer-director Charlotte Wells' feature debut, mm-hmm. starring Frankie Corio as Sophie... And Paul Meskel, uh, Academy-nominated Best Actor yep. Paul Meskel, as Callum, uh, father and daughter who are on a vacation in Turkey, and it is the final vacation they ever take together. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of along for the ride to see why that might be. Right. Now, the movie itself opens up with home video. Uh, One thing I really liked about this, it takes place in like the 90s. That's the aesthetic that they're going for. That's kind of what it looks like. A lot of the film, well, I say a lot, but the idea is Paul, Paul, sorry, Callum has bought a video recorder. Right. A digital video recorder to take on vacation to capture those memories. You know, a lot of people's parents probably did something similar or you have all those like old photographs if you were born in like the 90s or something, not like. 2010 babies where your parents just whip out their cell phone to record things we had we had the type of video recorder that was like hefty like it had weight to it yeah it was that big um so a lot of this film is shot the way that they shot is they did shoot it on like a digital camera Mm -hmm. but then they played it through a tv and like recorded the tv to get like the graininess look to it so a lot of the film there are parts that are presented 
as like home video stuff. Right. And what's what works so well with that and what you might not notice on the very first viewing, although it does linger for a little bit so it makes it kind of obvious, but mm-hmm. you might be you might forget it by the time you get to the end of the movie the first time. Right. But the film opens with home video that we'll see a little later on of Sophie asking her father Callum uh she's saying your dance moves are embarrassing yeah. and she goes to interview him and asks him what he thought he would be doing when he was 11. Right. And like right as that question ends, it pauses mm-hmm. and we get this superimposed image on there that makes it clear that somebody is watching this video. Right. It lingers there for a second, you might not notice it and then it kind of moves. And that sets up the framing that this is Sophie as an adult revisiting this memory of this mm-hmm. final vacation with her father. Which was so cool to how they did it and I it it went way over my head the first time around. Like I needed that to be pointed out. Otherwise I I, I missed it. The way that they the, the way that they go about certain little subtleties is it really is like you said it's even better the more that you watch it. Yeah. Uh, from there we cut into what's considered what Charlotte calls the rave sequences. Mm-hmm. Um, they're dark flashing lights of people seemingly dancing. Mm-hmm. And when we're first seeing this, we're seeing a woman that we're not familiar with. Right. Uh, she's not the child or the father that we first see, just this woman in this rave, and there's a bunch of people dancing around. And then it cuts. And it cuts to... Uh, we actually hear a couple things in the rave, actually. There's a baby crying at one point, which will come there, back later yeah, if, you don't, if you don't realize why there's a baby there. Um, and then we cut to another home video of Sophia saying goodbye, I love you, to her father. And then it kind of goes into like this montage. like It's the home video stuff, but it looks like everything's being rewound. Somebody's right. rewinding like the VHS or something, right? We're on a bus now, and we see Sophie and her father Callum together. He tells a joke that Charlotte said in the commentary was a joke that she remembered somebody telling her one time, so she fit that in there. She mm-hmm. did also make it a point to say that Sophie is not her. This isn't a story about her life. She's a totally fictional character. Mm -hmm. She just implanted things from her memories of a vacation and other things Mm -hmm. into the story to make it feel kind of more, like, more real, more lived-in sort of situation. Um, I really like that. I love that idea and that aspect. Yeah. And, you know, movie directing and being able to implement something that made an impact on you, even if it's not, you know, the whole the whole true story about it um it's really cool to be able to have those little references that you can you know pop in there like why why wouldn't you right uh we also get a shot this is something small too that is pretty meaningless in the kind of grand scheme where you can kind of look into more of it i guess if you want to but while they're on the bus there's a shot of sort of the landscape passing them by Mm -hmm. and while they're going on their trip like they're arriving it's the landscape is scrolling past you from left to right that comes back later on when they're leaving it's the reverse and now the landscape's scrolling right to left oh. as the you know they're coming and going sort of situation it's something small but a yeah. little fun sort of attention to detail right. type thing or, or you can probably read into it more of this is like the arrival of this traumatic moment and yeah. then the leaving of the traumatic moment whatever you want to look into it really that's clever 
so we get basically they arrive they arrive at this hotel there's nobody to greet them at reception mm-hmm. uh callum goes off to find somebody so they can get their room a uh, little fun thing that charlotte pointed out in the commentary is there's a book that sophie looks at real quick and it's an adult book right. <laughs> um they don't do mu- any more with it throughout the story but originally she was supposed to take it and it pops up later on or something but they they didn't i that would have been kind of funny to that me i think been really funny. um especially since this story deals with a lot of her experiencing more adulty type things like sure. she adolescent yeah. type stuff going on i guess um so they get up into their room and Sophie basically passes out on the bed because mm-hmm. uh, it's late. Callum calls the front desk to complain that their room only has one bed, but he paid for two. Right, twin um, And that's a big deal. It's, it's definitely focused on in this moment that mm-hmm. he paid for something and he didn't receive it. Mm-hmm. So that's your first little nugget of... Well, it means nothing the first time you watch it. Right. When you know Callum's story and who he is... It means a lot means more a lot now. More. Uh, so it's planting the seed to, that's going to bloom as we're kind of going through this. I think that, that, well, actually, the first note that I wrote down was that the beginning is very captivating. As far as movies go, it, sometimes it, it, it does take a little while for you to get sucked into it. But when I did watch it, when you got me to watch it, I immediately was pulled in by the beginning, just by the way that it was shot, the color scheme, the the feel, the vibe, all of it immediately pulled me in. And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to like this. Yeah, and one of the... I guess it's not technically one of the very first shots because I really like what they did with the digital video mm-hmm. and like rewinding things and stuff, the way yeah. they kind of tell the story. But the shot in the bedroom here, while Sophie's asleep... Uh, the lights get, Callum turns off the lights Mm -hmm. and he's going out to the balcony, but the camera pans down to Sophie sleeping Mm -hmm. and we see her in shadow. So she's basically covered. It's kind of just this black form that we're seeing Mm -hmm. and Callum's in the background out of focus. And then the camera lingers for a minute and then pans up to Callum to bring him into focus. Right. Just past Sophie's body and we see Callum and he's, he's starting to smoke outside Mm -hmm. And he's starting to dance a little bit. And yeah. This is another subtle little thing that, again, on first viewing, you're not going to pick this up. But I wrote down, realizing at this time, too, that every time we see him smoking or dancing yeah. in the movie is, with the exception of once, which we'll get to, seems to be an indication of when he is kind of spiraling right. a little bit because he's not smoking around sophie yeah you never uh, or anything it's him. he just made that call about paying for something that he's not getting right which is a hint towards money issues that are going to get brought up he starts to smoke and he starts to dance by himself out on the balcony yeah and these are things he we only see him do when he's in like in a dark place right. basically or he's going to a dark place so that's also this little small thing that means nothing in the moment but means everything later on have you ever had a moment where you were just like my day has gone so terrible that you're just like well screw it i'm just gonna dance i'm just gonna dance (laughs) i i don't dance so i can't say that i've ever had a moment where i just go fuck it boogie this day sucks so bad i'm just gonna start dancing um that's so funny uh 
the the great thing the end to that scene is the camera pans from him back down to sophie and we hear her snoring a little bit and then it transitions from her sleeping to callum right uh in the morning and it's her looking at callum and we're gonna get a couple shots like this throughout the movie where they're kind of zoomed in focused on his face and Mm -hmm. charlotte talks about in the commentary that these are pov shots they're meant to be point of view shots right from sophie's perspective of her and again we're talking about the full movie here so obviously spoilers if you didn't catch that part already right Uh, watch watch the movie if you haven't watched it if you made it this far well we spoiled the first 20 minutes and then some for you um but these point of view shots are the way she put it is trying to remember a face or somebody's hands or nose or something from just your memory so these shots that are kind of close up of callum from sophie's perspective are we realize our adult sophie remembering sort of remembering her father as he was that day or what she saw of him that day and there's just there's some these again they're small pretty sparse they don't happen a lot but they're they're in there for a moment and it's something again you would not recognize that it's supposed to be a point of view shot and then i listened to commentary and it's like holy shit that makes a lot of sense (laughs) Yeah. I love her vision, like, of how she's making these things come to life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, not... I know a lot of people get into movies because they like the art of storytelling, but, you know, to be able to bring your vision to life in such subtle, teeny tiny little ways must feel so fantastic. That must be so satisfying. Yeah, Charlotte made it clear through the commentary that while she's the writer-director, there was a lot of input from the cinematographer mm-hmm. uh some editors and stuff to kind of make things really work and gel and they ran into some issues during the shoot uh they were in turkey there were forest fires go- or wildfires right. going on at the time so they had to evacuate the hotel at one point and then other times they ran into issues with like uh shooting on the day they ran out of time to do things so they right. had to move it to another day uh frankie because of how young she is she could only shoot until a certain time in the day and then she'd have to leave so there are times where she wasn't even on set and they still had to shoot things with paul which by the way was very refreshing what like when you told me that i found that to be very refreshing coming from hearing about people like judy garland and and these other child actors that are like literally worked 80 hours and they're on they're forcing them on uppers and downers and stuff like Good for them for not making her work late at night. (laughs) She's just a kid. Yeah. Good. That's how it should be. It is kind of funny, because Charlotte mentioned specifically she had a sit-in to read Sophie's lines to Paul. Yeah. And she was just like, you know, it's amazing his talent, because even though I was there, and I'm not even reading the lines well... He just gave a fantastic performance and didn't even skip a beat. Didn't seem like he was talking to anybody else. It worked perfectly. Good for him. Um, So we get to the next day, and they're down by a pool, putting on some sunscreen, talking a little bit. Callum asks Sophie, uh, how are things at home? This is where we learn that uh, Sophie, Callum and Sophie's mother are separated. Mm -hmm. Um, It's never really... they don't seem to have ever been married either, uh, because that gets brought up later uh, in a conversation I do want to mention a little bit about. But uh, Sophie says, 
things are things are going fine. Last time they spoke, she said she wasn't getting along with her mother, but now things have gotten better. So probably your standard, typical mother-daughter relationship. As Maggie <laughs> not, just nods her head. She doesn't want to agree with anything. I, I, I also sh- shout out to children of divorce. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah. We gotta stick together. <laughs> wow. Um, one thing I picked up on this scene that I didn't get before either is uh there's a very quick line where sophie she's reading the user manual to the video oh yeah yeah uh she reads like digital video entertainment or something and callum says be careful sophie that's really expensive like don't drop it in the water it's really expensive again another little he's got money issues because he's so worried about these things uh, which of course back then that thing probably was pretty damn expensive. They were so expensive. Like I, I would, I would, I could text my dad right now and be like, "How much did you spend on that Yamaha? I don't know if Yamaha does <laughs> Yamaha. <laughs> they do pianos. <laughs> um, I could ask him like, "How much was that?" And he'd be like, uh, "It was a lot." Yeah. And that's why you kids weren't allowed to touch it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, the first digital video footage we actually get from like. Uh, as far as chronologically, mm-hmm. is Callum videoing Sophie playing in the pool, like jumping onto a floaty in the pool, swimming yep. around, sort of fu- fun, lighthearted stuff. Yeah. Um, nothing that bad. We also, we get this scene shortly after again that's also, again, digital film stuff, and it's of Callum and Sophie walking about going to get ice cream, and Callum says she's yeah. got a big head, and she's like, you got a big head too. Great thing about this scene, it's small, doesn't really mean much of anything other than building, like, their cute little relationship that they have. But that scene was completely improvised, and Paul himself recorded it. Yeah. Paul, Frankie, and Charlotte were out for a walk to do uh, just some, like, B-roll footage, I think is kind of what she was saying. They were just trying to find some places to, like, film some small stuff. And Paul just happened to be filming, and he was just having this conversation with Frankie not necessarily in character. I don't think she really makes it clear if it was in character or not. But he just captured this like cute moment between the two of them, it's and it so works cute. so perfectly. It's so charming and wholesome, and just they, you know, it. They're one of they're they're one of the those people that just have natural chemistry together, and you don't always see that with that kind of age gap, so. It was really, really cool to see this moment that they were just hanging out and they yeah. were just like being silly and fun together. And you're like, oh, they just they naturally work. Right. You he, I, if I saw them walking down the street, I would think that that was his kid. Yeah. You know, just the way that they have fun together. Yeah. It, 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 the relationship, Frankie Corio. I said this as soon as I the first time I saw this, I told you this. She is amazing in this movie. It's her first role ever. She's so good. And she's so natural. And Charlotte, even in the commentary, was just singing her praises. Being like, she's so naturally talented in timing of Mm -hmm. things. There are certain moments throughout the movie where she wasn't instructed to do certain things. She just, like, waited and let it linger and then said the line or randomly did something herself. And it just felt so natural and normal. Frankie Corio is is amazing in this movie. She absolutely crushes the role. Um, it's 
I wouldn't even say it's an easy role. There's a lot Whoa. of like face acting to kind of convey how you're feeling without actually saying you're yeah. saying how you're feeling. And then there's like subtler, th- you know, there's it's just a really subtle performance by somebody who's never done it professionally yeah. before, and it's brilliant. And I love yeah. her. She's cute. It everything works she's, top to bottom. She's cute. She that was my big note was how great of an actress and how great of a job that she did because she's yes she's an actress but kind of like what you were what you're saying she's she's um portraying these moments and these emotions that a person her age has never felt before like she's doing scenes that i mean you know god forbid she ever have to you know go through things that are that you know kind of sad or you know or or hard or whatever she does she does an amazing job and it is true seeing her have the timing that she has she's clever in a like a witty dry humored way as well um and she she really really steals the show she does such a great job and it she, she it just comes natural to her yeah and that's a great gift to have you know for a, a young actress young actor anybody um yeah, so I think she, she has a great career if she she's, sticks to she's it. She's got a great career ahead of her, for sure. She's going to be very well taken care of. Mm-hmm. So that that was my that was my big takeaway. Was It's so exciting to see young actors in Hollywood, you know, recently. Like, it's so refreshing to see someone new come on and throw their own take into something. And you can be like, wow, I bet I'm going to see them in six more movies or i don't know some yeah. shit but it, it's really really exciting like i feel like that's how everyone felt with millie bobby brown was they were like we're we're watching someone's career start and knowing that this was her first movie she's gonna be fantastic yeah she's already got the acting chops definitely uh, so at this point, we cut back to... It's nighttime. We're back into the hotel room. Sophie's asleep, but Callum's awake. And it's 3 in the morning. Mm-hmm. He's he's awake all night. He, he can't get to sleep. And he's watching back footage from the day. Yeah. And he kind of... It's all happy footage, so he closes it. And he lays down to try and go to sleep. It seems like he's pretty happy at that moment. Like, mm-hmm. everything's kind of... Not everything's gone to plan exactly, but... Sophie's having a good time. He's having a good time. Everything's happy. And And that's what counts. Right. And this scene, again, is another thing that's going to matter later on. Because we're going to come back to basically the same scene. Uh, Now, Charlotte did say throughout this movie, the hardest thing about it was building the arc of Callum uncovering his struggles uh, was the hardest thing to really build on. Because they're really subtle Mm -hmm. uh, for something that's so serious that a lot of people struggle with and have problems with um so i can understand how hard that is to like build it and 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 paul mescal just does amazing like he deserved to be nominated his performance is also fantastic in this movie and you i didn't find out until we just rewatched it he's not scottish scottish no he's no could have fooled me yeah i mean that's the point right (laughs) I've been the victim of a theft. (laughs) 
Our dog, our dog, our dog Max just stole my blanket that I had. Just stole it right away from me. Anyway, that's okay. Um, but yeah, his his act. Is she, she's Scottish, right? I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I would guess that's probably a higher probability, but I do not actually know. Good for him for his accent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we we go to the next day. Sophie's calling her mother. Uh, she is embarrassed by Callum doing these Tai Chi moves, these these slow motion yeah. ninja moves, as she calls it. Uh, and then Callum talks to the mother, and it seems to be relatively friendly. Yeah. He does also say, I love you on the phone, which yeah. is interesting. Um, Very good co-parenting. We get to see Sophie is in the bathroom at mm-hmm. one point, uh, overhearing two teenage girls talk about some sexual times that they recently had with a boyfriend yeah uh with obviously words that sophie probably doesn't Doesn't fully understand and that's kind of your first she kind of has this look like kind of a longing to be part of them like she's she's 11 she's just on the cusp of being a teenager she's probably looking up to teenagers being like "Uh, i'm one of you or i'm about to be you being a teenager is so cool like most kids kind of feel yeah um, so she, ha- there's a lot of shots of her kind of longingly looking at yeah. these teenagers that are at this resort hotel place as well to be like, include me. I want to, yeah. I'm, I'm one of you guys or I want to be just like you or whatever when I grow up sort of situation. And we, we talked about that. It's mm-hmm. it, even if you don't have, if you, even if you didn't grow up with siblings or older siblings or whatever, um, I like I I said I think you asked me like did that ever happen to you where you oh were yeah like, were you ever in a bathroom and some older girls were talking yeah, about stuff absolutely every every mall I ever went to when I was a teenager but I also said um, especially growing up with an older sibling my older brother my brother was two years older than me and so when junior high and high school time comes around you know suddenly their their friends come over and you're like. Oh, they're kind of cute now. I didn't realize that they were that cute before, and um, and yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where you just you want to be a teenager, or you want to be older, you want to be part of the the group. I don't know what words those mean. I don't know what their lingo means, but I just want to be involved. So I completely, completely understood where her like longing to be, you know, a part of the group. There's there are scenes in the movie where. Her dad's telling her, why don't you go play with those kids over there? And she's like, I don't want to play with the she, kids. I think she call, She either says they're too young or yeah. calls them babies, basically. Yeah, she's like, I don't want to hang out with them. I want to hang out with like the teenagers. And, and the hilarious part is she says, well, why don't you go talk to them, yeah. to like a lady uh, or the parents? Yeah. And Callum also says, well, they're, they're too, old. They're old. They're, they're old, old because he's, you know, she's she's 11. He's It's his birthday. Uh, his birthday Eve yeah. or birthday Eve Eve. He's about to turn thirty-one. Yeah. So if she's eleven and he's thirty-one, yeah. Do the math. Yeah. He was very young when very she was young. born. He was twenty, uh, or nineteen technically. Yeah, he doesn't uh, want to go hang out with the old people. So so yeah. So these parents are probably like in their forties yeah. or something, maybe a little older, who just happen to have kids that are roughly her age. Right. But because of you know she is now feeling like she's kind of a teenager so sure maybe they're nine it's only two year difference but you know in kid years that's like a huge thing yeah i don't want to hang out with the babies yeah 
Uh, and then for Callum, sort of his whole, his 20s or like his a young adult yeah. age was gone to raising a kid. Yeah. So he grew up he, real fast. He's, she views him as older than he actually is right. at 31 because, you know, to her, it, they're just parents. Yeah. Like that, they're probably the same age. You're yeah. a parent, they're a parent. When, but in reality, not quite. Very different. I thought I thought that was a pretty good, mm-hmm. pretty interesting way that they went about that. Yeah. We jump to Sophie on this arcade game. There's like a bar outside of this hotel, and there's an arcade game that's like the two motorcycles you get on top of. Everybody's seen those at an arcade. And Sophie meets this boy, who will later learn his name is Michael. Mm-hmm. And they just have this little, like let's play a racing game together and it's a little cute kind of friendship they're basically the same age so it's the one character similar age range that she sort of connects with although it's very brief right and then they go off to play pool yeah uh or billiards or whatever you want to call it and frankie had never played pool before right so charlotte talks about they had to teach her actually how to play pool just to shoot this scene which they they have, technically have two pool scenes, but I think the only time I can remember her actually like taking a shot is during this scene, and it's right. maybe like twice. Yeah. Uh, so you, you teach somebody entirely how to play it just for a few shots. It's kind of hilarious to do. Um, she also just points out during the scene while they're playing, some teenage boys come over and mm-hmm. put down like the quarters to be like, "Hey, we got next." Yeah. And Sophie invites them to play doubles, and they're playing doubles, and these kids. They're teenagers. Uh, it's not quite clear how old they are. And I don't know necessarily what the drinking age in Turkey is, but I'm guessing... Was they like 17, 18 maybe? Right. So I think they're roughly around that age. Yeah. So while they're closer to Sophie in age, they look more or less like adults right. at that point or are kind of treated like adults. They seemingly can buy alcohol, it kind of mm-hmm. looks like, later on. So there's a shot where while they're playing, Sophie is off screen and it's a shot of the two teenage boys and Callum and Charlotte points out that for a very brief moment they all Callum kind of views them all as equals Mm -hmm. right they're all kind of together they're roughly the same height whatever they're both kind they're all like the adults at the table basically right and then one of the teenagers cusses and in that moment you can see it on Callum's face he he looks at him and he tells him like, oh, "Don't worry about it." But you can see the switch. He's like laughing with them for a second, and then it switch turns on parent mode, right. and all of a sudden he realizes like these aren't really my peers. Yeah, these are still children to me. And didn't they also ask him if that was his sister? At first? They do. That's that's what it is. They ask, like, "Oh, sorry, sorry, man, you and your sister." He goes, "Oh, no worries. Uh, actually, she's my daughter." That's my daughter. And that's kind of a thing of like, "Oh, I I still look young. I yeah. kind of feel young." Until the moment where they cuss, and then his, like... Yeah, that switch. His, his switch hits, and all of a sudden he's like, okay, well, we're not really equals yeah, or we're peers. Not on the same you're, level. you're still actually kids compared to me, kind of yeah. thing. And it's a real small, like, just subtle thing, um, which is kind of great. Um, from there, we get to this really small, quick scene, which is kind of cute. And I think the scene can actually play out to mean a little bit more Mm -hmm. um while they're playing pool and while she got to use that arcade machine these things just cost court basically quarters whatever the turkey currency is i'm not really sure 
but they, they just cost some coins, so yeah. not a lot of money. We quickly get this brief shot of like water slides, like a mm-hmm. almost like a water park sort of situation. And we see this kid throwing a tantrum and his dad drags him off. Cute little behind the scenes thing. That's Frankie's father and brother. And apparently the brother's just... so cute to me. The brother's just so good at throwing a tantrum on command. Oh, it wasn't just an actual tantrum? They didn't catch him. I thought thought they caught him doing a tantrum. He could just throw a tantrum and it'd be so funny i just i just find it really hilarious that they that like that was her father and brother i mean could you think of anything better than being a kid and someone being like i need you to throw the biggest hissy fit you possibly can and you're not gonna get in trouble for it you know how embarrassing <laughs> that's gonna be in like oh, 10 he's years gonna be so embarrassed <laughs> luckily most people probably wouldn't realize it was him um but what i was saying is so there's we see the water slides we see the kid and his father, like, coming off the water slide. Kid obviously wants to go more. Father's taking right. away. But Callum and Sophie are sitting at these tables just kind of observing. Right. And I think what you can read into that is, like, he doesn't have the money to let her go on the slide. Yeah. Or what we find out later is people at this hotel uh, can get, like, all-inclusive bracelets, which right. would probably let her slide, but they don't have the money for that. So right. she doesn't have it. So they're left spectating on vacation instead of like enjoying the the moment and it's it's small it's brief you don't really have to look into it more than like that but that's how it reads on a watch back is like callum wasn't able to like they're spectating because he can't quite provide that for her and that in and of itself is already heartbreaking because you just know like at least i know for me growing up i'm sure there were times that my parents wished that they could have done something and you know, we couldn't or something like that. So to see him being like, well, at least we can be outside and the weather's nice and at least we can watch the people go down the slides. You know, that it's, it's heartbreaking but sweet at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know that he, it probably just breaks his heart that he can't spend that kind of money on her. Yeah. Um so we quit again that's really small scene uh, and we cut back to they're in the hotel and now he's trying to teach her like self-defense yes and he's like grabbing her wrists and trying to teach her to like twist so you're like mm-hmm. swinging your whoever's grabbing you's arms around and they yep. like you break free of their grasp and it's clear that he's being like deadly serious about it because he's like sophie come on take yeah, this he's serious very serious i mean it take the serious and to her it feels kind of like it's sort of a game. Like wrestling. But he kind of snaps at her a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's clear, like, she gets the expression of, like, okay, fine. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, and we go into the very next scene. And he's, like, cleaning her face, using some sort of, like, face care thing to wipe down her face. And he's like, look, this is serious. I want you to be able to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And even though he's being serious and kind of being like, look, I'm sorry. I kind of was snapping at you. But, like, I want you to be able to protect yourself. It still, to her, doesn't, like, she's a kid. It doesn't mean much to her, because even then she's like, well, what if they grab me anywhere that's yeah. not my wrist? Yeah. And he doesn't reply to it, because yeah. he's he's just in this feeling of, like, I'm trying to do something to protect you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to teach you not, a lesson. Like, you're not absorbing this lesson. That's also very, it also appeared to be very difficult to teach someone how to how to self-defense when you have a, a cast on your arm. 
Oh yeah, he did have. He He's still has the cast, cast on yeah. his arm. So. Yeah, it. She she definitely thought saw it more as, like when you're play wrestling, you know, at home or you know being goofy, and he's taking it very very seriously. Which, if I had a daughter, I would do the same thing. I took self defense classes in college for free. Yeah, you know. Um. So we're just. We get next. Uh, we played a clip towards the beginning of this where Sophie says. She's looking up at the sky, and she's like, I like looking at the sky and thinking, no matter where I'm at, we're under the same sky. Because even though we're separated, we're still kind of together. And I like that line. It's very, I love that line. It's it's pretty, like, poignant from, like, a child a to think something like that. Yeah. That's very deep for a child to come up with. I mean, that's, that belongs on a poster or something. That's very poignant to think, you know, no matter where we are, we're under the same sky, we're looking at the same moon, the same sun, and that's probably where she got her comfort from. Yeah. Whenever he was gone. Right. Um, so, just to kind of fast forward a little bit, there is more that kind of goes on in between these. We, we find out, like, uh, Sophie asked Callum about a, a girl he was dating. They're no longer dating because she had a boyfriend and went back yeah. to that boyfriend. Um, so he's lost something there again. Um, we learn uh, more. Uh, we see Sophie longing to be like with the teens again later on. There's like the, they're at this dinner table and the Macarena's playing, and there's two teenagers who we do see more. And she's just kind of staring at them. Kind of, she kind of watches a lot of people who are kind of having like these flirty relationships mm-hmm. or, or kissing and stuff throughout the film. Because again, she's she's a preteen she's coming to like adolescence to where this is like of interest to her yeah so she's watching kind of crossing she's crossing over that that threshold where suddenly you know kissing's not gross looking and Mm -hmm. you know i would also like to say i don't know why i was very impressed but i was very impressed that you knew the macarena who didn't know I the Macarena? I don't if you know. lived through the nineties, everybody know. knew the Macarena. I, I don't know why I was surprised that you just whipped it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had a Macarena um, themed party once. I'm pretty sure I went to a Macarena really? party once. Or at least when it was really big in like ninety six yeah. or something. Um oh, gross. I swear we went to I'm just guessing that the was year. A long I don't time ago. Yes, that was a long time ago. There was a CD you could buy. Okay, super short tangent. There's a a CD that you could buy. It was the Macarena CD, and it was literally 10 tracks. It was literally 10 tracks of just the same song, just done ever so so differently. Nope. And we played it on repeat. Nope. I feel so bad for my dad. That is awful. (laughs) Uh, So we get back into the room. Uh, and we kind of get a, a mirror again of what we saw earlier. This time Sophie's wiping down Callum's face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get a shot where, beautiful shot, they're both in separate rooms. Callum's in a bathroom. Sophie's in the in the bedroom of the hotel mm-hmm. room sitting on a chair. There's a wall, just one wall separating them. But the way it's lighted and shot feels like they're in two separate yeah. places. Because Callum is taking off his cast on his own. which. Yeah. Terrible idea. He probably shouldn't be doing. Terrible idea. He ends up stabbing himself because he's doing it recklessly. But he also doesn't seem to care too much that he stabbed himself. Um, 
And while he's doing that, and it's, like, a darkly lit bathroom and stuff to kind of indicate, like, his state of mind, yeah. basically. It's, like, dark blue and... Mm-hmm. Sophie's on the opposite wall. Warm brightly tones. Warm tones and everything. And she's talking to him and sharing how she has this happy memory where she once thought, uh, when her mother said Callum was engaged, that it meant that the two of them were going to get married, not realizing that engaged meant that he was currently busy with something. Right. Um, and that made her happy. And even in this moment, just thinking about that time made her happy. And we're seeing that play out yeah. while Callum is very clearly in a dark place. Yeah. And he doesn't reply to her about it. She, she's bringing these things up and he just kind of sits there in silence like, okay, sure. He's, he's he, cut he, himself he, and so he's just sitting there letting his wound drain into mm-hmm. a bucket. Yeah, and he changes the topic. It kind of goes quiet for a second, then he asks her if she's reading this book he gave her instead of replying to anything she just said. And what's so interesting, too, in that scene, his head is down the entire scene. He's just looking at the floor, or he's looking at the wound that's bleeding. And meanwhile, on the other side of the wall, she's just... in In the whole moment that she's thinking about that, she's smiling, and her head is tilted up, and up against the wall and she just is reveling in this in this memory that she has and so happy and it's just it's such a contrast um aesthetically but also you know mood wise it was such a really really well done shot i think that was it was very clever agreed um the next big kind of scene is they go out scuba diving Mm mm-hmm um and while they're out there they get into the water and callum goes to pass sophie goggles Mm -hmm. uh scuba mask whatever you want to call it and she doesn't see it and it falls into the water and callum goes down we see it him reaching for it and reaching for it but Mm -hmm. it's just out of reach um and charlotte compared that to basically how his life feels how callum portrays his life and that he's Uh. always reaching for something but it's just out of his grasp and he can't get it and oh that hurts my heart (laughs) when we get back up on deck there's um a scene a shot that i really like is that it we sit on sophie's face for a minute Mm -hmm. and you can tell that she wants to apologize or she wants to say something but she waits and waits and waits and then eventually she she apologizes to him um she feels bad she apologizes that it was expensive because she knows that it was expensive and and that this is another indication of callum's financial issues but he he doesn't even he doesn't reply or really Mm -hmm. do much he kind of like sits there realizing that she is aware that he has these financial things which you know i assume no parent wants to know their kid to know that they're struggling and he just kind of sits there and instead of comforting her in some sort of way he just says it's fine it's fine don't worry about it. it's fine um she felt so bad yeah she was trying to explain to him that she didn't hear him say that she he was giving her the the goggles or she didn't see them and you could just tell how how much that was weighing on her heart yeah and uh then we get a nice little shot um there's a scuba instructor who comes to help callum and we get the scene between the two of them and callum and the scuba instructor uh are basically the same age obviously they're not just like i'm 30 how old are you i'm 30 uh but 
the way the guy's talking, he's talking about his life and his experiences and that he was doing these things when he was younger and now he's about to have a baby and he thought he'd be yeah. like 40 before he had a baby. And him and Callum are basically, they're peers at this point. They're two men of roughly the same age, Python but they have knows. such vastly different lives because mm-hmm. while he was talking about like the things he was doing when he was younger and now he has to kind of settle down because he's about to have a kid, Yeah, Callum can't relate because he had the kid when he was younger yeah and he even says at this point that he doesn't even think he he didn't even think he'd make it to 30 yeah uh and now he is 30 so he very clearly sees that his life has been limited like that he doesn't have because of having sophie you know i'm sure the character wouldn't necessarily say because of her his life went this way but in general, because he had a kid so young, he kind of feels like a lot of it was closed off to him because he couldn't be out doing things right. or traveling or whatever. He had to be there with the kid. Right. And I think that also kind of pulls back to what we talked about earlier with, like, the teenagers. Um, you know, him, Callum meeting the teenagers and kind of seeing that, oh, a, you know, the age difference and, wow, I really am in a different place in my life. I'm kind of wondering if he maybe had the same thought process with this scuba instructor yeah that like oh wow we are really different but not that different but you know quite different so i i like that aspect that he's kind of being probably introduced to so many different ages of of life and comparing his life to to those yeah um, we get a quick shot of Sophie recording herself at the top deck of the the boat, mm-hmm. saying that this is like the best day. She, yeah. uh, uh, um, uh, what are they called? The seahorse wrapped itself yeah. around her finger. The scuba instructor put an octopus on her yeah. head, and that she just had a great day a great because day. of Callum, and that this is like a happy memory that they're gonna have. Yeah, uh, which contrasts completely with. The conversation Callum just had because yeah. it's clear in that conversation that everything this guy just said to him is like slowly spiraling him in the opposite direction yeah. while Sophie just even with this thing of dropping the goggles and stuff and knowing that that upset him still had this amazing still day. had the best day and a, a core memory was yeah. created and he's just having to to be there and and keep down keep inside what he has to and I, it's it, at that point in the movie it's so apparent that all he wants to do is make sure that she's having the best time right. even if they can't afford a lot of stuff so we get back to the rave scene uh, and now we see adult sophie actually sees callum mm-hmm. in the crowd dancing very brief so now we're she's kind of getting closer to uh this vision of of him um we get back to the day, and Callum and Sophie are just hanging out. Callum makes some flirty jokes about her teacher that she's about to have. Oh, yeah. Charlotte said that this was inspired by her dad actually making flirty jokes about teacher a teacher that she had. That's really cute. Um, we get to see... That hot teacher from <laughs> Glasgow. Yeah, the, the hot, <laughs> the hot yeah, teacher. The, the pretty teacher from Glasgow. <laughs> she, was, she was telling him, he was asking like, oh, are you getting ready or are you excited for the new semester in school? And she was like, yeah. And he asked what her te- what the new teacher's name is. And she says it. And he was like, oh, is that the hot teacher from Glasgow? <laughs> 
Very cute. Yeah. Um, so Sophie, we see Sophie go back to uh, playing the arcade. Michael, the kid comes back, actually introduces himself this time, pays for Sophie to play with him. Uh, he then says, now we're even one for one. And she yeah. goes, I don't know, we were keeping track. And he goes, of course you did. So it's a cute little like moment between the two of them. Um, then we go back to the hotel room. And this is a very, this is a an interesting scene. You can definitely dissect this scene uh, much further than this. But we get to a scene where Sophie's laying on the bed. She's on the foot of the bed. Uh, on her back with her head kind of hanging over so she's kind of upside down and Callum's in the bathroom brushing his teeth right and Sophie says that she's feeling down she kind of asks him do you ever just she's like I, I don't know she doesn't really know how to express it but she's just saying have you ever just had a day that was just like so fun and it was great and stuff but then you come back and you're just you're tired and you're feeling kind of down like your bones are just tired like yeah. you're just like it's out of you um and we cut to Callum, his face in the mirror, and he's similar to the bathroom thing when he cut off his cast. His face is kind of down. The shadows on the mirror are kind of mm-hmm. dark. Like, you get the shadow from his brow over his eyes and stuff, so it looks kind of dark. You can tell he's kind of in a dark place. And you can tell for a moment he kind of wanted to be like, yes, I, I know what that feels like because he almost speaks. Yeah. And then he doesn't. And instead, he pivots again and says... Well, we're going to have a great day, aren't yeah. we? And he spits on the mirror to... that. I mean, you could take that plenty of different ways. Like, he's spitting the, like, forget the depressed bullshit. That's we are going to have fun. Um, and so that's what they do. He Again, he ignores her bringing up something that's really close to him. He doesn't speak up, even though it, it feels like he really wants to. He almost utters something to, like, console her, but yeah. instead says, No. We're just gonna ha- we're gonna have a good time. That's what we're here for is a good time. Like, he, could you imagine trying to explain that that's just a normal feeling that you feel, and it's okay to feel it for your kid to try to explain to you something that they've never felt before, and you having to rationalize and and let them know that that's that's just a thing that everybody feels and adults feel that and you're coming into adulthood. So now you're going to be, you know, experiencing these new things. Um, you know, I can't imagine I'm only a, a cat and dog mom. I already have a hard time explaining things, <laughs> explaining to, them. things yeah. to them that, I mean, I can't imagine. It helps what, when they speak English. It helps when they speak English. <laughs> But I, I, I just, I can't imagine how difficult that must be. And he, you know, making the decision to just put everything on the back burner and just focus on the happy. That's it. Not healthy. Not healthy, no. Especially not in his state of mind. Not that's, in his That's state very of mind. clear. No. Um, this, we cut to a rug store. And in this rug store... Uh, Callum is looking at this rug that's on the floor and he very distinctly points out he's kind of fixated with this rug Mm -hmm. actually and he points out that he was told that every rug these designs they all have a story they mean different things and somehow that resonates with Callum it's like the rug the rug is what he wants to be Mm -hmm. he wants he wanted to have these cool designs and patterns to to have a life that he could tell people about that was interesting and this rug is that these designs mean something they're they have a story. um so it kind of captivates him and he asks the 
uh, rug shop owner how much it is, and it's 850 pounds. And Sophie kind of looks knowingly like, that's too much. We can't can't afford afford that. that. Um, So they leave. Sophie goes off to play again with the teenagers. They they walk by and she goes to play pool and she's hanging out with these teenagers and she's watching like these teens make out. Yeah. And there's a great line with one of them covering her eyes going, corrupting the youths. Yeah. Don't look at them. It's gross. You're too young. Um, and while she's doing that and kind of having like a good time, uh, still there, you know, there's shots of her like realizing she doesn't quite fit in with these older kids. Right. Um, but she's like enjoying herself. Callum goes back to the rug shop. And he buys the rug. Um, And as he's, like, folding up the receipt for the 850 pounds he just spent, you can kind of read on his face that he knows that he shouldn't. But at the same time, it feels like it's brought him some sort of relief as he he just kind of lays on it for a moment. Um, So we go back to Sophie. Uh, she's with the teens again. They all go into the pool. She pushes them in the pool. And while she's underwater, she's seeing them again being flirty, kind of kissing, hugging each other, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever kind of stuff going on, them having fun. And as she's coming out of the water, and this is taken from the commentary, Charlotte Wells points out that as Sophie comes out of the water, as her head breaks the surface, the music stops. To indicate, to me, and I wrote this down in my notes, is... You can tell at that moment when she comes out of the water and she starts to swim off that she realizes she doesn't belong or she yeah. doesn't feel like she belongs. And the music stopping is supposed to be an indication that that she just that she doesn't belong, like that her feelings of being out of place is is how Charlotte right. put it. Is is that's her feeling like she doesn't belong there? Yeah, and she leaving. was like the like the odd man out because mm-hmm. they're all flirty with each other and she's kind of the kid in the group. Um, and it's it's also I was really relieved about this part of the the movie as well is that all of the teenagers that she's been hanging out with have been very kind to her and protective of her. It, the dad, you know, Callum felt uh, safe enough with them that he's fine with her hanging out with them alone. So, you know, her her hanging out with them and maybe it was. Maybe it was a, a a moment where she realized that she wouldn't be seen in a flirty way by any of those guys that made her be like, yeah, this isn't this isn't my scene. <laughs> this isn't this isn't the vibe for me. Yeah. But it's also, I mean, to quote the great Britney Spears, she, <laughs> there's a song called "Not a Girl Yet Not a Woman." And she probably felt like she was in this weird little zone where she didn't belong with the babies. She doesn't belong with the teenagers. Yeah. So, yeah. like, where does she fall? Yeah, that that's definitely... I don't know that song. It's a, it's but a banger. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going to say uh, toxic or oops, <laughs> no. I did it again. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't know where she fell on the scale for any of that. Um <laughs> So we jump back. This is probably one of my favorite shots in the whole scene. So we cut back. The very beginning of the movie, there was a little interview scene that got cut off before somebody was rewinding the tape. And now we're getting that played out. But the mm-hmm. way that they shot this is we're seeing the TV that the the digital video, the camera is plugged into as Sophie's recording Callum and asking, right. um, I'm, I'm 11 and it's going to be your birthday soon. You're turning, uh, you're 130, 130. but you're 
turning 131 excuse me in two days <laughs> that just kind of came out of nowhere um and then she asked what did you think you would you would be doing at 11 and he shuts her down hard and he hard. goes put that away stop stop recording and she goes i am and he's like still got the red light on mm-hmm. so she finally turns it off but what i love is the shot is a static shot mm-hmm. on the tv playing we're seeing this play out on yeah. the tv and when she turns the t when she turns the camera off we're still seeing it through the TV from reflections. So the, the screen is black, but we see the reflection of them sitting next to each other. And also, right next to the TV, Callum has a stack of books. Um, oh, one right, about right. One about Tai Chi, mm-hmm. one about meditation, mm-hmm. one is a book about poems and some other things and other writings. And then the other one is called... I looked it up because I wasn't quite sure what exactly it said, but it was called um, Being Aware of Being Aware don't know what that's about but clearly all those books self-help books. are self-help things mm-hmm. like how to meditate relax you know change your energy tai yeah. chi whatever that's all teaches um and but it's a it's a beautiful shot scene and it's very clear that callum is starting to have a bad like his his bad days are like it's happening he's he's he doesn't want to talk about what he thought when he was a child um, but when the camera's off, we do get a very depressing right. moment where she goes, what did you do for your 11th birthday? And Callum tells the story that nobody remembered that it was his 11th birthday. And when he brought it up to his mother, she got mad at him yeah. and they forced him to go to a store and pick out a toy. And that is so heartbreaking so just to, he, like, it's c- clearly even his growing up, his life. Yeah wasn't great so he's been having a rough time since childhood and it's just kind of built and built and built um so that that was a depressing story (laughs) that was it was really a lot of the movie is is really hard to watch but it's also really important to i i believe in you know mental care and mental awareness and I think it is a very, very good way to point out there's nothing wrong with getting self-help books. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with Tai Chi. There's nothing wrong with doing yoga or, or you know, what, whatever it is that you might, that might make you feel better. Medication, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that you should be able to be open with your, you know, open with your children about and, and friends and family and, yeah. um, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. I've I've met people before that said, if you if you've ever had to buy a self help book or if you had to, had to take medication, then you're not an adult, and that makes zero sense to me. <clears throat> and it's it's still worth remembering that this story takes place in the '90s. There's not which was nobody was talking about mental health. Yeah, mental health wasn't talked about good big back then absolutely and not. and mental health for men is still a huge yeah it's, a, it's like a stigma right like and you're not a, you're that. not a man if you yeah. if you have anxiety or depression or you get the saddies some days you know yeah. it's it it i can only imagine how how tough it it would be for someone in in his situation right and he as an actor does a great job of portraying making you feel what he's, he's it, it's clear through. that he's going through these things but he's also fighting to not show the vulnerability right. not just to sophie but to the outside world right. 
um, and, and slowly through the course of the movie, he's unraveling right. uh, because he wants to give her such a great time, but he can't provide everything yeah. that she's seeing other people do. And then she's calling him out for things, uh, and it's just spiraling his his health, um, yeah. mental health, kind of out the window. We get to a moment where Sophie also asks if he's ever going to move back to Scotland. Or at mm-hmm. least move back to, like, Edinburgh, yeah. where he's from, or roughly around where he's from. Uh, and he says no, and he says that there's kind of a feeling that once you leave the place you're from, it doesn't really feel like you belong there mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, and that he kind of felt like he never really belonged there. Um, this is an interesting one uh, that I think I can, you know, it's not like a unique thing. It's not, I can uniquely speak about this, mm-hmm. um, but... I've been in in that situation. Uh, I I was born and grew up for ten years of my life in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Left there, came to Texas, yeah. uh, lived here for about ten years, and then went back to New York. And then mm-hmm. I lasted about six months. But to be fair, that was uh, in like leading. That six months was kind of leading up into right before I started going to therapy and, yeah. and talking to somebody and like. Like, I was miserable. I was probably, yeah. like, the, the following years was, like, the worst bit of my personal depression. Um, so there, there's, like, it, that kind of resonates in that, yeah. like, I thought maybe leaving what I saw as a mostly, I won't say completely negative. There are some, a lot of positives happening in Texas at the time. But leaving what, for me, was, like, an unhappy situation to yeah. go back to some place that I only remember being happy at. But I'm going back as an adult where I still have all these responsibilities and things and it just didn't, like, didn't work. I left, I left I, friends, a girlfriend, uh, just multiple things that I guess you'd look as kind of like the your comfort or your... your, yeah. your Familiar. Yeah, people you can, like, fall yeah. back on and, and whatever, but um, didn't have that in New York, so, so you just spiral more or whatever. So... That line specifically is interesting mm-hmm. to me because I can be like, I won't say that I don't feel like I don't belong there, yeah. but there is something to that. Like, because yeah. you're not the same person. You're not. If you grew up somewhere as a child and then left and then then you go back. Um, so. Um, he also tells Sophie at this point that she can be whatever she wants to be and that she has time, which to me is an indication that he feels like he doesn't, doesn't have time. Happen. Um, that he's, because he had a child so young, he doesn't have the time to do or be what he wanted to be. And we hear earlier in the film that he's, like, he, he uh, this one thing didn't work out, and now he's trying to do this thing with his friend Kevin and mm-hmm. whatever, you know, who knows where that's going. It kind of seems like maybe he's constantly trying to do these things and they just don't go anywhere. Um, which isn't a good thing. We go back to the rave, uh, and we see adult Sophie getting closer to Callum in the rave. Uh, so she's, throughout the course of this, slowly getting closer and right. closer. And again, depending on the way you view the rave, this is kind of adult Sophie memor- uh, maybe becoming more familiar at, now as an adult, understanding better Callum and getting yeah. closer to him as she's watching this vacation back yeah. or reliving this in her mind. Um we go to the next day. Um, I'm going to kind of skip what my thoughts were on this and kind of just read what Charlotte Wells said. And what she said is, we get to this day where Callum and Sophie are just not 
they're not getting along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's clear. Neither of them looks particularly happy. They're kind of sitting at this table. Yeah. Callum tries to say something or tell a joke. Sophie's not really receiving it. She tries to say something. Callum's not really receiving it. So they're just not having a great day. Neither of them. Not jiving together. They're trying to give, but neither of them is receiving. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of gets worse from here. Callum says, let's go do something fun. Uh, and and forces her to play water polo, even though she very clearly doesn't want to because she doesn't feel she's a strong enough swimmer with it. And we see that while they are playing, the adults and stuff who are playing generally ignore her. Yeah. Uh, and then we cut to uh, that night, and we see that um, they're at a karaoke thing, and mm-hmm. Sophie signed them up for karaoke. She says that it's something they've done every year, it's something yeah. they always do. But Callum now doesn't want to do it. And... Uh, just from a critical aspect at this point, this is the one thing that kind of sticks out to me about this movie that I think is a little too... It works. I'm fine with it. It doesn't, like, ruin the movie for me or anything. But I do think some of these musical choices, specifically this karaoke moment and a moment later on, are songs that are, like, too on the nose. I would have preferred... I was just about to say that. It works. It works, and it works well. I just... I feel like the movie is so subtle at other times that using, and I mean, I couldn't name a song to use that'd be better, but picking something that would have been more subtle, maybe I think would have worked even better. Yeah. Um, But Sophie goes up, she picks the R.E.M. song, Losing My Religion. Great song. Um, Fantastic song. One of my favorites. Um, And... Callum's like, I'm not going. Yeah. No, just let him be. He'll move on to the next people. And Sophie's like, no. So Sophie kind of defiantly goes up on stage, and she thinks she can win Callum over. She starts yeah. to sing, and she's looking at him and kind of smiling and, like, waving to him, like, come on, join me. And it's clear that Callum is just, he's not into it. He is, he's basically sulking, is, is the way I put it. He He takes a drink of his beer. He looks... He looks embarrassed. He looks unhappy. I wouldn't even say embarrassed. He just no. looks miserable. Yeah. Like, he he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be a part of it. Maybe he does feel like the spotlight might be on him a little bit to mm-hmm. be like, well, they called two names. Where isn't, where, why isn't he there? Yeah. And she sees this, and her face turns from sort of like playful happiness at the start of the song to just being sad yeah. about it because he's not joining her. And it's clear on her face that she's very upset about it. And obviously, this is where I'm saying the song's a little on the nose because it's losing my religion. Hello. So she's singing a song about losing faith. And at that point, it's faith in her father. Um, like I said, just seems a little on the nose for me from the critical in, aspect of In talking again about how great of an actress she is, or how great of an actor she is, she's saying that song beginning to end in the same exact tone but throughout like you said throughout the song her face went from one expression to another and you you could watch her move or navigate her way through feeling really really let down but still staying up there to sing and then it just looked like she was just uncomfortable and she was gonna finish it to finish it right and and it's one of those situations if your parents ever said to you, I'm not mad at you, I'm disappointed. If disappointed was a person, that was her. She yeah. was very disappointed in him kind of leaving her 
out on a limb like that um, when she was just trying to do something cute and fun that, you know, apparently was part of their past, you know, fun stuff that they did. Right. So. And Charlotte Wells says uh, in the commentary that this is the scene is the crossing over from childhood into adolescence and something right. that should be fun and kind of freeing. Uh, once she's got this self-consciousness about her, you you can't go back. So she becomes aware in that moment mm -hmm. her father's how her father's reacting to this and everything and i just thought that was a beautiful thing um in the commentary that was said um after this we actually she sits back down and callum to try and lighten the situation says you know i can get you singing lessons if you want to be a singer and she very quickly snapped back snaps yeah. at him and says don't offer to buy something you can't afford she did not find that funny. Um, and he almost is taken aback, and he, he smiles for a second, and then he just says, okay, let's go back to the hotel, and she refuses and mm -hmm. says, no, I'm, I'm staying out here a bit. And he's just like, you know what? Fine. Just make sure you come back to the room, okay? And she's yeah. like, yeah, whatever. She goes off, finds the teenagers. One of the girls gives her that all-inclusive bracelet. Mm -hmm. um, she orders a, a Fanta lime or lemon Lamone, <laughs> whatever Limon. she says, whatever she says, um, with it, uh, and we then see Callum in the hotel room alone, watching the video camera back, and it's different from before. Before, where it was like a happy memory, and and while he might have been up all night, it felt sort of like a happy thing. He was yeah. watching back a good day. Now he's watching it, and it's the opposite. He's yeah. he's not happy. He's in in a bad way, basically at this point. Uh, so he closes it and he leaves the hotel room alone. Um, we go back to Sophie and she's kind of lost. She runs into Michael. Michael invites her to come out with his friends. Uh, we see Callum walking down the street. Mm -hmm. He, Some lady throws a cigarette on the ground. He picks it up and starts smoking. Again, going back to what I said, where the only times we see him doing this is when, when he's sort of spir spiraling. Yeah. Um, so he's smoking again. Obviously not a good sign. Uh Sophie is now in, like, this pool with Michael. Uh, they're all alone. Michael says, I like you. Do you like me? She, like, brushes her hair back. And it's like, yeah. And they share, like, this Classic a super awkward first kiss. Oh, it was the worst. And, oh, it's so uncomfortable to watch. And Michael's friends are, like, off in the distance cheering for him. Like, yeah, way to go. Eyes open, just smushing faces. Eyes open, smushing faces. Yep. Um... She gets back to the hotel room, can't get in, nobody's answering the door, uh, Callum's not there. We cut back to Callum, and we see a beachfront. It's mm -hmm. dark out, um, probably like midnight or something, and Callum walks on the beach and just walks straight into the water. Just dives into this dark, empty water, no one's around, and he just, he vanishes. And all we hear, we linger and all we're seeing is we're hearing the waves yeah. crashing. We don't see him again. We don't see this him is come very up. Very ominous. Nothing. Super ominous. Also, ten out of ten. Don't. I would not recommend you go into the ocean at night without anybody. <laughs> yeah, probably a good Ter idea. Ter ter terrible idea. Um, eventually, Sophie does get led into the room by the reception desk or a guy at reception mm -hmm. um and when she gets in there it is revealed callum is okay but he's passed out on the bed butt naked on her bed on her bed um and she 
almost in a reverse of one of the very first shots when they arrive at the hotel is she puts blankets over him and then the camera pans down on him while she's kind of out of focus right. in the background uh and we cut to we hear him heavily breathing or we cut to the rave i should say mm-hmm. and we see him up close dancing in the rave and he's heavily breathing um like he's kind of you know he's danced to the point of exhaustion or something basically um then then we cut and we get an interesting shot we see the rug on a floor and we see these feet come down on top of the rug Mm -hmm. and we pan up and we are now in the bedroom of adult sophie with her girlfriend or wife wife. maybe Mm. uh and we hear a baby crying and sophie says i'll get it and she gets up and, and leaves so we finally see sophie in present day Mm -hmm. basically she has the rug so we know if you didn't already assume we know at this point that callum has something has happened right because now she has the rug i did not catch that the first watch i don't think many people caught the rug i did not catch the rug i like i said when i listened to as soon as i got out of the theater when i listened to this uh talk about the movie on my drive home i was like they didn't mention the rug at all Mm mm-hmm like at all like that's a that's a yeah i feel like that's a big sort of moment like i that was a big moment so i don't know i felt i just felt like that was a a big sort of takeaway kind of thing um depending on how you read into the rug like i said earlier um obviously callum put a lot of stake into it because he he bought it um and now it's passed on to sophie yeah um so we get to Oh, it, it, we also learn at this point that it's Sophie's birthday. Now, yes. while it's not ever specifically said what birthday of hers it is, she's an adult at this point, has a child, the assumption, my takeaway is it's her 31st birthday. That's what my thought um, was. She's about to be the same age her father was on his birthday, which kind of brings the whole thing full circle mm-hmm. like it makes a lot more sense that she might be reflecting on the last vacation she had with him right because it was his birthday as well right and now she's the same age um so maybe she's got new insight or something to how he was how he was feeling um at this point we go back to the vacation they're on a bus trip they're leaving this time and this is where i talked about earlier we get the reverse shot of the scenery moving yeah. right to left uh, indicating they're leaving um and they they stop off at this place uh like little pit stop rest area they get out um they seem to be in a better mood because mm-hmm. sophie's mimicking callum as he's doing his tai chi they kind of have a cute scene where they're mimicking each other doing that and then we go right into they're at a mud bath right um fun little fact is that apparently uh frankie corio thought it was gross or didn't like the mud bath thing at all it was so funny to me yeah. I would love, love to go to, like, some natural spring or something like right. that where you do, like, the natural mud stuff. It's so... But, it, it, again, it's, you know, she's really young. She probably doesn't like the idea of sloshing around in yeah. thick mud and <laughs> get, getting it in her hair and her face right. and all that stuff. Um. So this scene has a lot of interesting dialogue in it. Mm -hmm. First, we get Callum, because this is the next day, is having a hard time letting himself off the hook for how Sophie found him naked last night. 
He is very apologetic to her. He keeps continuously saying sorry. And Sophie generally doesn't think it's, like, a big deal. She doesn't quite, you know, she's a child. She probably doesn't quite yeah. fully wrap her head around why he would feel so sorry about it. Yeah, it like, I locked you out. You found me passed out naked on the bed, whatever. But to her, it's just like, you know, it happens. Like, you fell asleep. She doesn't know this huge thing he went through. Yeah. And he's apologizing, apologizing, apologizing. She's just like, don't worry about it. No big deal. Let the record show that he's asleep face down. Face down, And w- yeah. she only saw his tushy. <laughs> yeah, she only saw his tushy, yes. Um, the next part that's interesting is they have this talk about Cleopatra. Yes. Um Sophie recently took a class where they talked about Egypt and and where they're located at in these mud baths. Apparently, is something that Cleopatra went and did. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's so crazy to think that Cleopatra was, yeah. you know, close by at this point. And and she was like, she was right here. She was right here. She yeah, was right here. And uh, Callum's like, oh yeah, and then a snake bit her. Yeah. And Sophie, interesting for the story, says. Well, we don't know. They never yeah. found a snake. It might have been suicide. They think maybe it was needles. So, I, I've, you know, everything in the script, even the most subtle thing, clearly indicates part of the story. Yeah. has something to do with the story. And I feel like that is a very subtle, like, maybe this is where the story is, yeah. is going. And I, you know, revisiting this multiple times, I do think that's a very subtle but not so subtle indication of yes yeah yes that's what's going on again again the first time that i watched this movie it's easy to just not even think yeah i didn't even think about it you know and what a fascinating thing for her to show interest in and um and kind of throw out a um a a thought that most people probably don't like, are you conspiracy theory on Cleopatra yeah. and, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I thought that was a really, really cool scene of them kind of riffing off of that. And you're right. This is one of those movies that even something so minuscule and so tiny. It means a lot. It means a lot. And there was thought. If there's something that you think no thought was put into, thought was put into it. For sure. Even, there's even, uh, I didn't touch about this, but there's a lot of stuff where uh, we see paragliders in the sky. Yes. Parasailers, whatever you call them. And those were real people just Mm -hmm. at this beach paragliding, whatever, like people on beaches do. So they don't quite have a lot of significance to the story itself, but Mm -hmm. we see them a lot. Uh, But Charlotte Wells likes to point out she says there's a few times where just kind of B-roll footage is just the parasailers in the sky and then there's yeah. like a reflection in the pool of them. And she says, she called it like, it almost, the parasailers, when they're on screen and there's nothing else, almost feel out of time. Like you're not quite sure if they're happening in the 90s when the stuff we're seeing in the flashback are or if oh. it's something more like present day. They're kind of this moment in the film of out of time yeah. where the lines are sort of blurred to, yeah. uh, 
I mean, you can read into that whatever you really want with it. I don't know where you take that sort of thing to be like, it's it's like an out of time sort of thing when we're playing a lot with the past and the present and then the, the sort of dream realm sort of thing with the rave, whatever that is really truly supposed to be. Um, so the out of time thing is just another layer on top of that where I, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to make of it, but it's a curious thing that she said. But it is, it is interesting when you want, you're watching a scene and you just see them in the background, just kind of floating throughout the sky, like, like dandelions or like, just, just, just floating around, which looks from here, looks from here. Looks very peaceful. I bet you it's terrifying. <laughs> Couldn't pay me enough money. You, you would say that. Couldn't um, pay me enough. So we then get a, a, a cool little shot while they're showering off and taking off all the mud. Um, Callum, well, Sophie tells him about the kiss. And Callum's like, oh, was he your age? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, that's cool. Did you like like it? And she's like, I, I don't know. Um, I love that she told him yeah. about it. And she it, didn't it's keep cool. it to it's, herself. Yeah, they've got this... It, they're kind of building back to the relationship we saw at the beginning, yeah. where they're open. clearly very open and loving to each other. And Callum follows that up by saying, you know, when you're older, you can confide in me. You can tell me the boys you kiss, the, the drugs you take, mm-hmm. anything. Like, I've done that stuff, so yeah. you you can come to me. And she's like, Dad, I'm, I'm never going to do that. He's like, that's, that's fine, too. Yeah. But if you ever need, like, a confidant, you can come Tell to me. me, and I want you to know that you can rely on me. And I take that as, because we heard this story about Callum when he was 11, and nobody remembering his birthday, that this is him reaching out to his daughter to say, to try and give her something that he feels like he never had, which was somebody to listen to his problems or issues, um, so that she essentially doesn't end up like him. Yeah. Um, I think, is where he's kind of going with it. I think that's where that I think that that's where that goes and I think there's also a part of us not even like our our generation there's got to be a part of people in every generation that at some point in their life they have a thought that they want to fix something or prevent something or soften the blow of something from their kids that they received from their their parents or their upbringing yeah. you know he's I, I want to be there for you because they weren't there for me. Or, you know, I'll... If you want to talk about French kissing a boy, <laughs> I guess I will listen to that. Yeah. You know, I, I think that there that's in all of us. There's mm. something that everyone wants to take from their childhood and try to spin it differently to, yeah. to, to make things a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um. And then we get into the next scene, and this one's cu- this one's interesting. And I have um, shout out to Nacho Egg and um, Coastal Cinephile. Nacho. Um, shout outs to them, <laughs> just real quick, because uh, we always talk about Criterion movies. Yes. Uh, obviously, uh, Nacho is basically the reason I actually pulled the trigger and started getting Criterion movies. Yeah. Um, and then he told me that uh, Coastal Cinephile cinephile is the reason he started getting criterion movies so it's kind of a domino effect anyway criterion get them but they're at this uh sort of i don't want to say coliseum amphitheater amphitheater yeah. type thing like an old old one like roman yeah, like amph- greek amph- greek maybe yeah. sure 
I don't know, Ottoman, whoever ruled during that time. <laughs> no idea. Um, well, I say Ottoman because that's what Turkey was before. It doesn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> it's been a long time since I was in Sophie's the- running yeah. around. Sophie's running around and telling all these strangers, like, help me sing, help me sing my dad happy birthday. Help me sing my dad yeah. happy birthday. And as they all turn and start singing happy birthday to him, there's this shot of Callum. He's standing up on the stairs. And he's kind of got his hand over his eyes looking down. And the way the shadow is indicated, what Charlotte Wells said is that this specific shot was inspired by the Criterion Collection's cover of Bo Trovalli. I probably pronounced that wrong. I know she pronounced... I think she pronounces it slightly differently. Uh, Coastal Cinemaphile has this movie, and he recommended it. Really? Um, he said it was a good movie. So I'm curious just off of that, because I looked up the cover. It took me a minute to figure out what movie she was talking about and look up the cover. And I see it, because it's a man standing there, and his face and like half of his upper torso are covered in shadow. And that's exactly how Callum looks. But that's he's very clearly not happy about no. aging. Not necessarily that people are singing him happy birthday, but just... Sort of the reminder that he's now a year older yeah. with, you know, essentially nothing to show for it. We get a cut to a postcard that says, Sophie, I love you very much, Dad. Yeah. And Callum's crying. And it's a shot of Callum, his back to the camera, kind of hunched over on a bed, staring into this corner of this room. And it's just... An extended shot of him just crying, breaking yeah. down. It's very clear that in this moment, and especially after the birthday, he feels trapped. Like, he's no way out. This He's basically cornered himself with all of his life choices. And you can maybe look into, is that postcard something he didn't send to her? Is that maybe, like, one of the last things he sent to her? Uh, where does this stand in the actual timeline? Um, is it, you know, little knickknacks that they've picked up during this trip? We've never seen, we haven't seen him buy any postcards. So this scene kind of also stands, going back to what Charlotte said, of being out of time. It, It doesn't, it can play as if it's, like, in order chronological, like, maybe they've stopped for the night at a room and then this is him in the room, or is this after they were together and this is something he was like a postcard he's going he meant to send and never sent or something he is going to send her and is maybe the last correspondence they have it's not exactly clear so you can take it however you really want to take it but it's very clear that he's a broken man at this point and feels trapped in his own existence i i i i personally have decided to take it as he does send it or maybe it was packed yeah with things for her that's what i would like to think um after that we go to a dinner scene uh very uh, uh cute scene um they're out for dinner at this point callum has basically doesn't care about spending money anymore. No. He doesn't ask. the. Uh, this guy comes up to ask for their picture. He doesn't ask how much it is in pounds. He just says, sure, pays for it. We don't care no more. Throws up the little rabbit ears above her head. And then this beautiful shot. Um, Charlotte said that it was inspired by something, but I not. Uh, it's some sort of film that this shot was inspired by. Hmm. But it's uh, the camera's facing down on the table with this Polaroid. 
that yeah. is developing as they're having this conversation. Now, the conversation itself... And it stays on the Polaroid. Yeah, it stays on the Polaroid. The conversation themselves, uh, I believe, wasn't scripted, if I remember correctly. So it was just the two of them just, just having a conversation, like, in character, other. as this photograph develops. And it's a, it's a simple shot, but it's also beautiful. It definitely has captured a moment in time where, at the end of their journey, they are happy with each other to be together and stuff so it's a beautiful little thing there there are so many scenes in the movie that are just aesthetically pleasing but i do remember especially on the second watch of it what as, as someone that has a polaroid camera loves polaroids we have we own like a million of them <laughs> yes we do <laughs> um it was so satisfying to sit there and, and see that um that attention to detail mm. and um and again it, it the polaroid thing does throw you back to what time it was and and all of that it was very very aesthetically pleasing to yeah. see uh and then we cut to again they're having a fun night mm -hmm. they they run up across the street and all of a sudden we hear under pressure david bowing queen is under playing pressure. and callum drags sophie over and he he starts to dance and Sophie's embarrassed by it, but he's like, come on, dance with me. And she's like, no, I don't want to dance. He wasn't a bad dancer either. I mean, I guess. I thought it was, I guess. I thought it was charming. <laughs> it, I mean, it is. He's like trying to lure her in. He's having a good time. But remember what I said is the only times we're seeing him smoke or dance in this movie is when, is he's, when, he's, when he's spiraled or when yeah. he's mentally not, not there. Like, like he's not happy. And he's he's been spending money that... He the whole time have... we've been told that he that he has money issues, so he's spending money pretty recklessly, and now he's just full blown dancing. He's at this point to me, he's already gone. Yeah. Um, and, but we get this great sort of scene where Sophie, like his dancing and goofiness, is winning her over. We get to see her. Um, she's kind of lovingly looking at him before actually going into dance. We're getting a lot of cut back and forth between this and the rave, and in yeah. the rave adult Sophie has reached Callum yeah. and parallel to each other uh, in the 90s Callum has his arms around Sophie and they're dancing and she's like very lovingly embracing him holding on tightly uh, in a happy moment not knowing that this is essentially from what we're seeing the last time that they're going to have an embrace like this right. so it's very tight very loving and then we cut to the rave where adult Sophie is holding on to him but not necessarily in a loving way but it's a little bit more to, aggressive it is aggressive it's holding on t to like the memory to not yeah. let go and what i noticed this fourth time in watching this film is something really small and it might be unintentional or, or maybe it is completely intentional but in the past young sophie pushes callum away yeah. like she's done hugging him pushes him away to keep going to dance right and then in the rave, Callum pushes Sophie off of him mm -hmm. to fade back into this dream, fever dreamy rave sequence. And in the moment when he's pushing away, we see adult Sophie turn into young Sophie yeah. for a moment. Um, so there, there's probably a lot you can read in to there. Oh, one million um, percent. But I think, I think the two little pushes feel... The hugs... The embraces feel completely paralleled to each other. 
because one is a loving happy moment and the others two is like a desperate plea to like not to let go of yeah. this memory um or, or to cling to what you remember and then the let go is to like you're pushing him away to let him do his thing and the other one is he's pushing away from you yeah. sort of sort of thing so love that little bit it's so it's so deep and it's so thought-provoking the more that you think about it there are so many te- teeny tiny little ways that you could take it yeah and it's just i mean it's it's heartbreaking but at the same time it's beautiful the way that it's it, it, the way that it's done um we then go back to something we saw at the very beginning right before everything rewound uh, we're at the airport. Sophie's saying goodbye. It's a little goofy. She waves goodbye. He says, I love you. She, she says, I love you. Uh, and then it's a freeze frame. And when the frame freezes, it starts to pan. And as we pan, we rotate. And we come off of a TV screen. And we rotate a complete 180. And we mm-hmm. see adult Sophie sitting on a couch with the video camera itself. Watching back these memories. Yeah. Not particularly looking happy probably uh, you know it's reliving a sad moment the last vacation she shared with her father and then we rotate again and we keep rotating and this time we rotate we've gone in a 360 but now we're looking back at callum Mm -hmm. and callum closes the video camera the little preview window he closes it turns off the camera kind of drops it to his side turns around and walks off down this corridor into these doors and inside the doors is the just is black with the flashing lights of the rave yeah so he basically he just walked off into the rave um very clearly and powerfully i think indicating that's the last time sophie ever ever saw her father yeah um as the movie ends um and i could have got this wrong i I was trying to find it in the credits but it's not quite there and I, i forgot to look it up before we did this but as the credits start rolling a song that is played this this beautiful song is called one without i hope i got that correct um which i think is just another layer to clearly indicate that yes callum has died mm. um i personally believe it, it was definitely he took yeah. his own life um I, it's the whole film is uh, a devastating it, it's beautifully devastating in that it's this loving capture of a moment in time between a father and daughter on a vacation it's ups it's downs but at the center is a woman trying to come to terms with who her father was Mm -hmm. in you know the last vacation they they had together that that moment of time uh, instilled in her memory and now that she is at his age i guess understanding better who he was as a person um i think it's it's a absolutely beautiful movie it's a beautiful movie and it is heart-wrenching it's funny at time. i mean it's funny it's sad it's it hits you it makes you think which I think that that makes a, a movie so great. Yeah. If you've watched a movie and two days later you're still thinking about some things about it, they did something right. 
mm-hmm. and it it really is one of those things that um, it really is one of those things that the more that you watch it, the more that you appreciate it. Um, I'm so happy that he was nominated for that because he it's the performances are, are amazing and yes. and I think that it also is is one of those things that brings awareness to mental health to how you spend your life, you know, what you focus on and what's important to you. That's that's a great movie to me. Yeah. Yeah, and I do I do think it does have a powerful message in it that um, obviously takes place in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And at we mentioned earlier at the time, mental health wasn't something that was really talked about as widely. It does get a lot of talk now. Um, and, and men's mental health... Um, mm-hmm also gets talked about a lot because there's you know the toxic mas- masculinity of being like you know boys don't cry you yeah. know suck in your feelings whatever um uh which you know I, is something i deal with that's that's like i've just done that my whole life um so on a level I, it's just it is a heartbreaking depiction of mental health mm-hmm. uh a decline a man going through a decline in in you know in his 30s young i mean he callum as a character is younger than i am yeah. going through this and uh and it's it's it is absolutely devastating to watch this movie but i do think everyone if you've seen it once you need to do yourself a favor and watch it watch a second it time and, and especially if you're listening to the you've seen the movie you're listening to this you stumbled upon this somehow um and you you've listened through all of this i know at this point this is probably longer than the actual movie itself <laughs> but it feels like there's so much to talk about but go back and watch this movie for a second time or for a third time and, and maybe something we've brought up here is something you didn't think about or like i said like appreciate the like the the smoking and dancing Mm -hmm. again on the fourth time i've watched this it really stuck out to me that we only see that in his like dark moments not necessarily any other time so there's a lot of things that i feel like even if i watch this tomorrow i bet you i'd pick up on even smaller things the movie is like i said i think i called it like devastatingly beautiful yeah it is, it is so devastatingly beautiful it it there's so much more to it than what you might glean from a one-time viewing mm-hmm. you deserve for yourself to watch it a second time um i mean if you just outright hated the movie then i don't know why you're why you're here to begin with but go back and watch it again maybe we've opened your eyes to something new maybe there was things you didn't quite pick up the first time that that um now you may appreciate a little yeah. bit more or maybe you know obviously people are gonna be like well you might get more of it if your father if you have a father or you have a kid i guess is the way to say or maybe you've had somebody in your life who, who i think i think literally any person could relate to this movie in at least one tiny way i agree i agree with that i while i do think maybe if you are a father uh or a parent in general um especially a young parent you might relate on that sort of level, but I think if you've ever felt like you didn't belong somewhere or, or you've had de- depression or some sort of mental 
something there's probably a lot in this that could hit hit you um on an extra level and the movie is just beautiful for doing that even if you have like a silly awkward death yeah and it's not even and it's charlotte did such a great job writing and directing this Mm -hmm. for a feature i am incredibly impressed and look forward to anything that she does in the future oh yeah um i will be there to watch it um and paul mescal is he's on my radar now frankie corio is on my radar now uh i just i want to see more out of all of them just the cover of it looks yeah also a24 you like so cool this packaging for this blu-ray is dope so So cool. cool and it also came with like these uh postcard which are behind the scenes images which was brilliant um a fantastic just fantastic a24 is great they they did a really good job and i so i definitely recommend it you don't watch a lot of movies more than two times so <laughs> call me out that is not as not in such a frequency okay and to say that i've watched this four times within the span of maybe like six months is crazy uh, I, there's I not watch, many movies that I'd watch that I often watched that Jurassic quickly. World something and then uh, Glass like four times in a month yeah that's true so so that that says a lot and I, I like that you appreciate all of the little aspects of the movie and all of the little subtle things and you took the time to listen to the commentary and find all of these little tidbits yeah. about it but yeah, it's it's great. I will. I would. I mean, we own it now, but I would. <laughs> I, would wa- I would watch it again. Yeah. Um, I also, do plan on watching re- it. Also, really good if you want to cry. Yeah. Okay, so I think that comes to the end of it. Uh, we love this movie. Uh, if that wasn't abundantly clear, thank you everybody for listening. Thank um, you. This is only our first sort of dive into this i know it may have been a bit long-winded at times but it just does feel like there's so much to talk about with this film um we do plan on doing a lot more of these uh possibly trying to make it a weekly thing Mm -hmm. um if you've not heard of us before we're uh, i'm patrick and this is maggie we're chicken on a stick chicken on a stick we do a live show every friday um over on twitch you can find us on instagram at c-o-a-s underscore podcast or facebook chicken on a stick posting things there pretty much uh daily come check us out yeah and and hopefully you come back for more episodes um again thank you for listening to this very long-winded discussion about after sun go watch it if you haven't watched it but we literally spoiled the entire movie for you but you might you'll maybe still enjoy it with uh insight you wouldn't have had otherwise um and if you've already watched it watch it again if you're anything if you're anything like us you love a good movie and this is a great movie yeah so we will be back hopefully next week with another movie to talk about yay goodbye (laughs) bye